Uh, hey, everybody, it's Scoots here, and uh, good evening. I, I uh, guess how we found ourselves here tonight was uh, a uh, intro that was supposed to be for, uh, what do you call that show? Doctor Who. Sorry, Doctor. And that intro kind of found its way to uh, uh, saying, well, I think I prefer to be about something new. And, I said, and then I said, Scoots, why don't you turn stuff over to the Boredom Institute for this one, since you've been consulting with them on a new program and also like infomercial. Uh, imagine, you know, as all infomercials are in the show, imaginary infomercial. And I said, great idea. So it's time for another one of our Boredom Institute seminars uh, like uh, that we partner with on the show. And I'm going to turn things over uh, to Brad Bradderson from the Boredom Institute. Well, hello, everybody. This is Brad Bradderson from the Boredom Institute uh, here to uh, introduce you once again uh, to me, Brad Bradderson, and uh, our steps to health, wealth, and happiness uh, through boredom is your friend Brad Bradderson. Hello, everybody. Here at the Boredom Institute, we uh, we, uh, we create programs, educational programs, enrichment programs, uh, based on the idea of a bornopopia, bornopopia uh, that's something we're work- We're still brainstorming that term. Uh, that's why we're testing it out here on Scooter's podcast. Bornopopia, possibly patent pending, is you know the idea that boredom can bring you infinite things, an infinite abundance uh, through boredom. Which is what one of the what we believe here, even though we didn't realize as a founding principle when we founded the Boredom Institute, uh, we believe in the abundance of. I mean, there is an over. Some people would say there's an overabundance of boredom, and we, you know, we don't have. You say, well, that's that's one way to look at it. We see boredom as uh, not a, a thing a thing that's always present. A bit like uh, the force, you may say. I mean, yeah, I guess a bit like the force. It runs through all things. Uh, and we see boredom as a path, uh, and a path, in this case, to health, wealth, and happiness, and, uh, you know, meeting your dreams. And tonight we're going to talk about uh, losing rapport by gaining rapport. Oh, no, gaining rapport through losing rapport, gaining trust, uh, uh, or competence uh, by showing incompetence. Uh, and I forgot what other, other terms a Scooter used, uh, but, you know, we're going to uh, win you over by losing you. Uh, and that's one of the tech- subtle techniques of boredom. And we're going to start right off. We're, we're going to get to this. I'm not sure how many steps we have. I mean, ideally, we used to shoot for 10 steps. And then we said, well, studies show seven steps are better. And I said, well, what about 11 steps? If we do 10, we could turn it up to 11. A lot of the younger people we work with here at the, the Institute. I mean, I'm young. I'm Brad Bradderson. Believe me, I'm, I'm at, uh, the eternal youth of boredom is one of I, I wanted one day. They said, Brad, that's a bit of a stretch. But not everybody knows that the, is familiar with the movie, uh, the tapping, you know, the, the famous rockumentary. So, uh, oh, so yeah, let's just get to it and see. We'll say, we'll, we'll, let's see what the path leads us. So we, tonight we start off with our first step. I want you to close your eyes uh, 
there's a song and there's a lot of ideas and a lot of metaphors. And this is called the, uh, the, the boar weaver, uh, which I guess doesn't sound as, as uh, smooth as dream weaver or, you know, other weavers, uh, or if you play Star Star Starcraft, Reavers, I think is one of the one of Scooters. I think he liked Reavers. Uh, I think those were like the little snails, uh, and uh, but Scooters could never keep up on refilling them. And he said, "Why isn't there an automatic way to do this?" Uh, but that's just a st- uh, obscure Starcraft reference. You know, Scooter, he never became, he never achieved StarCraft mastery, but I'm sure he put more than 10,000 hours into that. Uh, probably wasn't 10,000, even though he was focused, uh, it was more of a, like, uh, it's interesting. Uh, I wonder what, we'd, we'd have to sit down, I wonder if we could sit down and interview uh, uh, Malcolm Gladwell about that. He said, well, I've played video games for ten, many more than 10,000 hours. I was focused, uh, and, uh, didn't, and they say, well, Scooter, you were playing video games. And I say, okay, it's a distraction. You're correct. But let's get back into the boar weaver. How do you, uh, and you might say, Brad, you know, how do you get to health, wealth, and happiness through losing rapport or, uh, uh, you know, lo- losing, you know, losing attention? And they say, well, let's just hold on here and let's talk about boar weaving. Why, why don't we? In boar weaving, you want to, you're, what you're trying to do, it's a, it's a form of storytelling uh, that you probably listen to almost every night and, uh, it is, uh, it's neither fiction nor nonfiction. It's, uh, it, it, but it combines elements of both. Uh, and, and you may automatically do this, but we're here at the board of Institute trying to focus your attention on maybe skills that you may already have that you don't see as skills, but by refining them, giving them space to breathe, you realize, uh, that there is true power in these skills. And so, so boar weaving is, is simply telling a story. Uh, now, the old way of view, viewing it, the non-positive or non-empowered way or judgmental way, if you don't mind me saying that, uh, is that you're just filling air by talking. And that may be when you were using this technique in an automatic manner. You know, we've been studying Scooter for a long time, and a lot of these... Uh, you know, we've built the Boredom Institute on a lot of accidental ideas from Scooter. So let's say in the old way, let's use an imaginary exercise here. You're you're at a you're at a function. It's a work function, but it's after work, so you're supposed to be relaxed. And you say, "Well, that's not in my that's not my forte." Relaxing. You know, Will is my forte, but in, that's not, you know, Will Forte is not going to be at one of my work functions after work anyway. And even if I, Will Forte was, I probably wouldn't talk to Will Forte because I'd be too nervous because that would mean I would be at some sort of a, so you're at a work function. Everyone says, oh, enjoy yourself, relax. You say, well, that, you know, these are authority figures or, uh, so we say, okay, that's your natural state. It's okay. You're just a person. 
You're not supposed to be perfect, and uh, there's no need to be perfect. And a situation may arise where you're supposed to talk to someone. You say, well, hey, Brad, uh, how are things going on that new? What did you say? You're going to uh, more abundance? Was that what you were calling it? In that case, I just sat there stunned because I said, bore abundance? Well, I was calling it a bore, bore the uh, based on abundance. I didn't even think I could call it bore abundance. That's so much better. Luckily, this is an imaginary exercise, so this is actually my own idea. So that leads us right into this exercise. So, that, so, so I don't know if you're following me, and I'll... Uh, Circle back to where we are. And you say, oh, wow. Well, I was just about, no, uh, I was just going to tell, like, I was just thinking about that more abundance. It made me think of uh, the show with that family, with the dad that worked at the shoe store. And then I made me think about the times I've gone to the shoe store. And uh, that dad was very unhappy selling shoes. Now, now, here's the thing. I wonder, I just watched another show where a character worked at a shoe store, and she was very happy. And she was talking to her, uh, the person who was asking her questions. They said, well, why do you work at a shoe store? And she said, because I love shoes. And they said, well, she, she was from a family where she not, didn't necessarily need to work. And they said, well, why do you, why, why do you work? Uh, because I enjoy it, uh, because I want to. Why do you work at selling shoes? Well, I enjoy it. I love shoes. Well, it was in the with shoes. And then she was trying to explain to him that there's a variety of shoes, not just utility shoes or things. And But he had the wherewithal to say, hey, well, what are your favorite shoes? And she said, well, these happen to be my favorite shoes that I'm wearing. And then he talked about feet and those things, and she just laughed and said, that's not part of the job, really. That was just on that show with that guy, Al, uh, uh, who always talked about it. Also makes me think of the show, uh, and then it makes me think of uh, someone that's making a reinvention of that show as a podcast, uh, uh, like uh, Carrie B. And this show is like an NB version of Carrie B, which is really cool. Uh, and so that's another thing I think of when I think of shoes. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, what was your question? So I don't know if you witnessed any of that. Uh, that was boar weaving. And actually most of that was nonfiction boar weaving uh, non-fiction based on fiction that I've consumed is Brad Bradderson. But what I've also done now, you, you may have, you may be able to take one step further back. Uh, I was bore weaving on my own here with you as a witness. Uh, that was not a real bore weaving and bore weaving can be a preparatory technique, uh, not only because now I have this new idea, borbundance, uh, and that is much more marketable than bornopopia or bornopopia. Also, it rhymes with something that I would say in an abundance of things that people, you know, look at in their spare time that society might have strong thoughts about that rhymes with bornopopia. Uh, but uh, not cornucopia, but, but, you know, people that have a lot of corn or a lot of cornucopias, that's great. Uh, 
So, boar weaver is something you could do. Uh, and you might say, Brad, this whole thing in the Boredom Institute is ridiculous and a big SH to the A to the M. And I'd say, okay, I respect your viewpoint. Uh, but let me tell you a little bit of something about this particular technique. You could do, you, you could, you do, you could just turn this off and never listen to a Boredom Institute seminar again. You could, you know, say, well, I just want the free trial and not the, uh, uh, you know, when the free trial stops, you know, the 12, you know, it's very, you know, we, we do charge a premium here at the Boredom Institute. Uh, one day we'll merge with the Roy G. Biv Institute, that's Scooter's dream. And I say, well, how does a institute that's based on proving lights and Roy G. Biv, uh, whatever method. But here's, here's the thing. If you're anticipating something, and you're having strong feelings about it, which these are all normal things we all go through. Maybe some people don't, uh, but maybe those people, that's good for those people that they don't. Uh, but I'm talking to you, Brad Bradderson, to somebody that can identify with how Brad Bradderson faces life. Uh, maybe you're at your desk. Maybe you're at home. Tomorrow's the work party or the work function. Maybe Will Forte is going to be there. You say, well, Will Forte is coming in, uh, you know, to talk about his new imaginary memoir, Forte on Forte. So there's a new podcast, uh, Forte on Forte. It's, uh, it's a Forte-th episode, uh, but uh, puns, you know, so I'm pleased with myself by that accidental pun. Anyway, so you could practice this technique before the party, before reality. Not only to brainstorm accidentally, uh, but to give yourself uh, some space to actually lose some rapport or to think about what would it be like if I lost all this rapport? Uh, you know, what if you're talking to Will Forte? And, you know, we don't. I don't have another technique to come up with for a conversation point uh, but you'd say, well, I, whenever I think, it, okay, I can, do, I can do one, though. So let's just say it again. And again, practice it at home. I'll tell you the, the purpose, and then it'll help relax you. It'll help you see the thing. And you might say to yourself, uh, well, then Will Forte is just going to say, well, you know what? I, I didn't realize the time. I have to go talk to those other people over there. Or I'm going to get some water. Uh, you stay here. Do you want any, I'm not coming back, but if you want any water, wait here and then go get it. Uh, and you might think that makes you squinchy squinch inside. But what's the risk? Uh, if, if, what, let's take a reality. What if it was always going to be, what if that's not your forte isn't your forte and talking to forte isn't your forte? Leaning in and accepting it and saying, well, you know, at least I can enjoy myself. Uh, playing it out in your mind and saying, well, I already saw how, like, maybe it'll make you more comfortable to be yourself. Uh, those are my theories, at least. Uh, so anyway, Will, uh, Forte, that's with an E at the end. Huh? Well, that's great. Uh, I've always liked you. You know, I've always liked you. I've always liked Forts, too. Do you, do, like, what about a pod? I know you have this Forte on Forte. Is it Forte on Forte? I wonder if any languages in the world call forts forte. 
and then it's funny because it almost sounds like you're saying 40, but in a fancy way. What about Jack A? Forte and Jack A uh, today. Like, what if the two of you had a morning report? Uh, I would watch that. Uh, but moving on, I was thinking about forts, uh, Forte on forts. Uh, or the Fort Report with Will Forte. And you maybe, I don't know if you're a family person. I don't know uh, because I'm just, uh, but you could have Blanket Fort, you know, Blanket Fort Report with Will Forte. Uh, but it makes me think about my favorite forts uh, that I've been to, which I haven't been to a lot, Will. And nowadays people ask me, of the forts you know about, uh, what are your favorites? And I say, well, there's only two that I actually remember. And both of them are in central New York. Uh, one is Fort Stanwicks and one is uh, Fort Oswego. And I don't know, like I was at Fort Stanwicks in a rainstorm a few years ago. And it, it, now that's a wood fort, and Fort Oswego is a stone fort. Uh, fort Oswego is on Lake Ontario, and Fort Stanwix is in Rome, New York. And, you know, Fort Oswego is something I've been to mostly as an adult, Will. And Fort Stanwix was something I went to as a child and returned to as an adult with my child, and because it was a rainy day, I don't know if that impacted it. Wasn't it not? It was definitely not as grand as my imagination would have had me remember. But it was quite a nice fort. And then the nice thing about Fort Oswego is the last few times I've gone has been like a reenactment day. And the last time we went, this person was running a magic lantern, uh, a early projector. And he was kind of dressed in a steampunkish type outfit and describing it to us. At the time we went before that, Scooter developed a crush on someone working in, uh, like, the Florence Nightingale-style tent. Uh, but he, he, all he said was, uh, are those bandages? And then he, they, she said, oh, yes, these are bandages. Would you like me to, oh, thanks, but okay. So uh, those are, that's a, oh, Will's gone. So that's a way to, that would be how I would handle it with Will Forte beforehand. Now, would I handle that in reality or not? Another thing about the Boredom Institute and what you got to remember is you, sometimes you have to trust your subconscious or trust imperfection or... That, uh, you know, it doesn't always feel like, uh, I don't know, just play around with it. Be playful. Uh, so that's one technique. Uh, and, Will, if you want to stick around here, feel free to. And, you know, feel free to think about, uh, you know, those podcasts I just asked you about. Uh, Forte. Forte. What about that one? Uh, like, uh I don't know. I don't exactly know what forte means either. I've said it so many times uh, that I've lost. Uh, uh, I think it would be forte and forte. Like you would interview people that have a forte in something you're interested in. That's just my idea. Anyway, so, so moving on to our next step here. Uh, it's a boredom beyond time and space. Uh, and you might wonder, uh, uh, Brad, what does that mean? Boredom 
beyond time and beyond space. And say in the beginning, there probably probably was pretty boring before the big one, the big bang, you know, that, uh, or, you know, other ways of wondering the, the creation or beginning of the universe. Uh, if there was nothing and you were there, uh, you would say it was boring. You know, obviously you would come to a point where you maybe would uh, like overcome or lean into that boredom or grapple with it. And one of the things I like to point out to, to my uh, students or my uh, people I'm working with here at the Boredom Institute is that uh, what if that is true? Because it probably is true. If there was a time before anything, there was a time with nothing. And when you think about it that way, if that you would have to accept in my book that that is an underpinning energy in the universe or an underpinning, you know, the underpinning energy in the universe. I, I think I was thinking I'd say something else, but I just repeated myself. And that boredom is always there in its rawest form. And maybe sometimes, like, the boredom is both within us and without us, uh, and uh, you say, Brad, are you just talking or are you going to make a point? I say, well, yeah, one, be reassured by that. Uh, sometimes there's a, a feeling within Brad and maybe within any of you, maybe you that's listening, that says, oh, no, Brad, you're so boring. You just talked to Will Forte about forts. and You didn't even really talk about forts except by mentioning that one was stick and one was stone. And then he awkwardly said, stick and stone. And then he went and got his water, never to return. And he said, Brad, you're so boring. Uh, you're, you know, you're like, uh, you've got, you're experiencing more abundance. And I said, well, Brad, it's not like you invented boredom. It's been there since the beginning in the dawn of time, before the dawn of time, by the way, Brad. Boredom's always there. Uh, maybe you're just, you know, maybe you're interpreting boredom in a way uh, that is like you're spinning the ball, like you're spinning the electron in a certain direction. And in this case, your spin has a negative feel to it, Brad. But if you accept the fact that it's just spinning counterclockwise, clockwise, or only two of the directions it could be spinning, Brad. If it's a spherical, isn't there many, 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 many more ways it could uh, it could spin? So that's one thing to think about, Brad, is uh, uh, you're just putting one spin on it, and you're sure that it's spinning that way, but it could be spinning an infinitesimal. I think that means almost infinite, uh, but maybe not uh, ways... Uh, because sometimes it's beyond our understanding. And you might say, Brad, are you trying to be profound with something that's not profound? I say, no, no, no. I'm trying to remind you that uh, that boredom's there. That you didn't make it and you didn't uh, say it. And then you say, well, if I bored Will Forte, isn't that a pretty, you know, how many people could say they, you know, talked to Will Forte about forts and then Will Forte walked away? Then years later, Will Forte, you know, made it an autobiography and a book and an interview series. Uh, 
Forte on Forte, you know, Forte, Forte. Not many people could say that. Uh, and so that's uh, one thing. Another thing is that uh, when we look at this spinning of our thoughts around boredom and, and those things, uh, you know, sometimes we, we inflate things. And, you, you know, there's a, there's a book that Scooter read and a lot of us have read, uh, and there's posters about it and there's memes about your place in the universe or, you know, the meaning of things in that book that Scooter loves about uh, hitchhiking in space or whatever it's called. Oh, he just, yeah, hitchhiker's guide to the, okay, I know Scooter, I was just being uh, facetious. Uh, so when you're talking to someone like Will Forte or someone at work and you're saying, oh boy, did I just lose the rapport? Uh, you, 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 you're, you're saying you're ma- it feels, you're not making it. A lot of people say, oh, you're making a big deal out of a moan, moan, moan hill or whatever. You know, you're making a mountain out of a mouse stack, uh, and they say, no, 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 no. That's how it feels. It really feels like a mountain. But when Will Forte walks away from you, it, 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 you know, it might feel really big, especially if other people saw it. Or, you know, even if it's at work, you say, well, I got to work here. And that's a natural understanding feeling. Now, the idea of where does that place you in the universe or that boredom transcends time and space predates it. If only if we were there to observe it, I get it, I get it, I get it. Uh, boredom would only exist if we were there to observe it, but it is there if it was observable. It isn't meant to say, oh, you're a tiny speck in the universe and your feelings are a tiny speck. Your feelings don't feel like a tiny speck. They feel universal. And there's the key. Uh to unlock the door, possibly, or just say, hey, uh, like, uh huh. Like, instead of spinning it in a negative way, you say, wow, these are really, these are Big Bang level feelings I'm feeling. And yet, in the, in, in the, in the idea of the universe, they're probably tiny, but they don't feel tiny. And then that may lead you to the place of saying, and to someone else, you know, someone might say blah, 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 but, but someone that can really, like Brad Bradderson, I've been there. I can say, well, I've had big feelings about small stuff, too. What about that, Will? Big feelings about small stuff. Uh, uh, and that is also universal. And I would even posit this, so I have not been back to the beginning of the universe. Uh, or... You say, well, boredom predates uh, emotion. That's one thing I'd just like to point out to you. But when the first uh, thing in the universe emoted, experienced emotions, I would say that there was probably big feelings about what some would call small things. But what if you don't say they're small things? You say, well, those are big feelings. Uh, Big feelings are universal, too. Uh, so I think you get what I'm saying. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, because some people say, don't worry about little things. And you say, well, uh, I would say, don't 
uh, worry about the worry about small things uh, and recognize that uh, the, these things, trans they do transcend time and space. I mean, some scientists would probably say I'm wrong. And then I would have feelings, and then I would get another chance to explore my feelings about that. Now, we go into this next, uh, uh, like, uh, idea, uh, concept, the next stage of our seminar. As we try to look at this idea of losing rapport and losing attention to gain it, uh, and these are actually, sometimes these are take-and-go things, but this is actually, we're building to something here. We're going somewhere. And even in our, obviously, our mental exercises, we've been going somewhere. Yeah. But this is the idea, building on what we were talking about earlier. Uh, there is not, a, you know, some people would say, maybe is Scooter the most boring person in the world or the most boringest uh, and incorrect, most incorrectest uh, when he uses words? And I would say there is no most boring. It, just like some of the listeners, maybe you say, well, Scooter's not boring. He's just, uh, the Boredom Institute isn't just about boredom. It's about health, wealth, and happiness. And, uh, you know, washboard abs uh, all through boredom, you know, for a low, low price that like that eventually goes up. Uh, and this, again, is a two-sided thing. You, you may feel like the most boring person in the world. If you are, uh, that's a powerful thing to be, but you may not be. Uh, there may not, you may not be able to one up, uh, outboard the bores. Uh, but what's wrong with being boring is what I'm saying is, uh, the idea of being the top, uh, of meeting these expectations that say, well, I gotta, like, could, could you really, uh, do you really need to charm Will Forte or your work coworkers, uh, or, uh, and again, this is not an easy thing. Brad's not saying this is an instant thing. Or could you just be yourself? Isn't that pretty good? And I just know from me, you know, thinking about why did I think of Borpopio? Why didn't I think of uh, what Borbundance? How did I not think of that till just now accidentally while giving a seminar? And I don't know if you could hear this, but when I say this, my hand is on my chest in loving manner. And maybe you, will, you could do that sometime, is uh, put your hand on your chest or your stomach in a loving way and say, Brad, you probably never be the, like, it's okay. You don't, uh, you don't even have to put it to any more words. So say, it's okay. I understand uh, we want to, uh, we have, you know, Brad, that means you have an imagination, a strong one, when you're always thinking, when's Brad going to shine? When's, you know, Will Forte going to say, what, what was that other idea you had that didn't use my name? Because I kind of like that one. And I'd say, Will, I forgot. Uh, I'd say, like, it wasn't the one where you talk about forts or people that are good at stuff. Huh? I think it was, uh, I can't remember. But uh, you, you liked that idea, huh? Well, this is just imagine. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just imagining and I guess I'm imagining, and now we move into the next part of this. Uh, 
Instead of try- and again, these are practices you could do at home. And you go further in because this is timeless. You say, "What am I really looking for here with Brad- with Will? What would happen if I impressed? If I did remember the impressive idea I told the imaginary Will Forte in my mind? Uh, I'd say uh, I'd feel suddenly a big bang, maybe." But I'm imagining that. I say, oh, wow, I'd feel, I'd suddenly feel, and just maybe feel those feelings too and say, oh, boy, that feels good, making Will Forte laugh and saying, oh, boy. And you say, okay, well, are those feelings out there anywhere else for me to find? Maybe I'm searching for those feelings uh, and not necessarily, uh, and just get to know the feelings better. Maybe they have a texture. Maybe they have a taste. Uh, and these are kind of the feelings of one, uh, one upping almost of being, you say, well, I was the one that, you know, no one else at work came impressed, uh, or, you know, I was a star of the show. Those are, you know, and that's okay to want that. Uh, what I'm saying is when you're imagining that, uh, and some would say, these are expectations on the higher end. You're, ma- you're imagining these grand expectations. Don't spin the electrons on that in a negative or a positive direction. Look at and observe how is that spinning and what does it feel like. And just get to know those feelings a little bit better and see where they lead you, correct? Like... Uh, You'd say, okay, so you're saying, Brad, are you telling me at this point in the seminar that we're looking at, what it would it be like, you started out with one thing, but now you're leading me to the flip side of it. What do I imagine it feel like if I never lost rapport, if I had a natural rapport, and I didn't have to take a seminar on using boredom or, you know, I always won people over uh, because that is a powerful part of my imagination. You're right, Brad. Uh, what did that feel like? What would that bring me? Or what do I imagine it would bring me? And how would I imagine it would make me feel? But, Brad, you're saying not to disconnect it from the, the expectations or the imaginary exercise. Uh, but to kind of, instead of thinking about it intellectually or from the imagination standpoint, move into the feelings more and say, well, what are those feelings like? That's uh, interesting. You're no, you don't have a bore, bore bone in your body anymore. Huh. What is, does, that, does that feel different? Or, or oh, no, you've, you've reached, you know, boredom mastery. And so now you're able to use boredom in ways that people never thought before possible. You've shown the world the power of boreabundance. And through the boreabundance, you've attained health, wealth, and happiness uh, in those washboard abs that we all. But you say, wait a second, uh, Brad, are you still leading me? I say, yeah, what is it? What, what do those things really represent to you? And instead of reaching for the feeling or running towards it, you know, let it float in like a cloud and be around you for a little while and say, huh, 
yeah, well, how do I feel when I'm uh, impressing someone or imagining I'm impressing someone in a way that transcends time and space? And uh, just experience that. And and so you say, okay, Brad, where are we now? And I say, well, we're right here together right now. And we're moving into our next uh, place, which is, again, I guess I have to work on this. I was going to say presence or bore presence, but bore presence is just, uh, that sounds like a presence, like a gift instead of presence, like being in the room. I guess I could say the room where it doesn't happen. You say, well, I, I want to be in the room where it happens. They say, well, uh, let's start off in the room where nothing happens. Uh, we call it Scooter's bedroom. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I, uh, sorry, Scooter. Thanks for having, letting the Boredom Institute. Uh, well, thanks for letting us use your your, your show. But, uh, like, we're leaning into these experiments we're doing, these imaginary, these real exercises within the imagination. And with the goal of being more present, uh, being more present for our boredom, and also being more present for the feelings around our boredom, the spins we may or may not be putting on them. We don't know. We're trying to learn to observe them and be there and give them space. And one of the things uh, that we would like to achieve in this process, and it's not a universal all-or-nothing thing, is if you can be present for something, is there a spectrum of acceptance you can reach? Because some people would say just accept it, or, oh, like, or something positive. And we who... Uh, uh, cross paths after midnight, as we'll say here. Uh, we know that that's not necessarily the truth, uh, that it's much more of a spectrum. So can we go from observer uh, to a, uh, someplace you say, well, I'm just kind of watching that uh, and or saying, well, I've experienced that before, this hope uh, or this worry or these strong feelings about not being the charmer of the party. Can we move more into a place of being present for it uh, and then saying, well, I accept that you wish that. I accept that you feel that way. And we've I've kind of been hinting at this the whole time. Uh, but really, we're looking to put our feet uh, into this world. And Scooter actually taught me this technique. Uh, and I, I guess I'd just throw it in here because... Uh, is uh, he calls it the big toe technique, and he said he doesn't know if he'd learned this from something or he thought of it as on his own. But when he does a performance in front of people, he gets, uh, or I guess he says he forgets to use it for other situations. Uh, but when he used to do live shows, he would be very, he would say, oh, well, this is not going to happen. I can't possibly do a live performance for people. And so he would talk to his big toe, and he would say, well, what if just my big toe could be excited about this or present for it? The rest of me maybe needs some distance or is just like like feeling these feelings that we're present here for. But my big toe is leaning in 
My big toe is excited and comfortable. Not even saying that, saying, could you, could you big toe do that? And he said sometimes when he would remember, which wasn't often, he would just press his big toe down. As I'm doing now, I'm pressing one of my big toes down and saying, okay, that big toe is here. That big toe is present uh, and uh, is uh, now, well, this leads into Brad saying, is accepting of everything else. Uh, now, not 100% say, well, are you able to accept that the rest of me is not sure about being here for this performance or at this work party or at this other function? Are you saying that, uh, you say, well, okay, well, what is it like if my big toes press down and that part of me is comfortable? No, just a tiny percent. I don't know what is it like, uh, 0.2% or something, maybe more because it's the big toe. Uh, you say, okay, yeah, you're here. What, what do you think about all that? Well, I can accept that you don't want to be here, even though my big toe does. Uh, and maybe you're even talking about it out loud. And Will's Forte saying, are you talking about pressing your big? You say, yeah, I am. Uh, a little bit nervous here, Will, talking to you. Because I loved you in that movie so much or that show or just your general all-around presence. And, you know, I thought, you know, I, I thought it blew a time, like, uh, and this is just an imaginary exercise, because, again, we're trying to move into a place to say, well, I'm accept that you're, you're a little bit nervous and awkward. It's totally cool with me. And I'm pressing my big toe down for it. Uh, you got it? I got it. Good. And by gaining presence and acceptance uh, with either that or anything else, uh, and you say, well, I'm just a, a little bit of a degree of accepting and uh, being present for it, uh, you, see, you, could, you could actually maybe feel good about it. Maybe you're a loving, comforting presence uh, or maybe your big toe is that loving, comforting presence, presence to say, Hey, it's okay. And, and and again, maybe this could transfer outside of you to other people and say, well, I could see you're nervous or worried about that. It's totally normal. And where does all that leave us? Where have we gone on this journey and where would we like to go is, uh, is the idea uh, that one day, if you're accepting these things and working these things, and again, looking at it like an experiment instead of, uh, you know, like me, Brad Bradderson, I really tend to see things in all or nothing in a global big, everything is a global big bang in, inside of Brad Bradderson. And, uh, you know, maybe I just go back and forth through all or nothing, and maybe sometimes I can use these more spectrum-based ideas. You see, Brad, like, how are we going to get health, wealth, and happiness and washboard abs through all this? I said, well, eventually you will. But eventually with this technique, the idea is uh, that there is some softness, uh, like the idea that your rear, your flank is exposed, right? Uh, uh, that's the feeling we're kind of talking about here in these interpersonal situations, 
And you say, well, I don't like that idea. You say, okay, that's, uh, I accept that too. That's perfectly normal. Would, would, can we lead you to a place, uh, where, where you get to some, where that degree of acceptance only sometimes gets to the point where you say, well, it's, I know it's going to be okay though. If I lose rapport and I accept that I'm not good at it and, uh, what will happen then? And there is a paradox there by, like, uh, accepting things uh, and having a presence and being a little bit more grounded. Maybe you're more present for Will Forte or your coworkers. Maybe you feel, uh, we don't know because this is an experiment, uh, maybe by not having to, maybe by more experiencing the feelings beforehand, but not trying to plan out what you're going to say. You realize you don't have to say much at all. Maybe you realize that you don't have to win any rapport. Uh, you're, you're, you're just trying to build rapport uh, because that's what everybody says anyways. Like, like uh, there's no rapport winners uh, because then you say, well, I'm the rapport loster. Uh, you'll find that by putting that toe down and saying, well, huh, there's a lot of uh, feelings here. I can be present for these feelings with part of my toe or part of my foot, uh, but I could also try to be present for this other person. And I could also be try. you know, this is, this again, this advanced techniques of boredom. And then you just give yourself a break. You say, hey, this has been around for a long time, a lot longer than me. That doesn't diminish the strong feelings you're having. It's a reminder you're not alone. And uh, that, uh, yeah, you could try this. You could try it out. Uh, and I realize that this isn't the flashiest uh, of seminars we've done here at the Boredom Institute. And, this, you know, that's why it's free on this podcast. Because you say, well, it doesn't have an, an exact uh, a tangible result. Uh, I'd say, is it worth a try? Here from Brad Bradderson to you, I'd say you're worth a try. Uh, so whether you put your big toe into it or your hand gently on your chest or both, uh, and you breathe in and you say, hey, yeah, that's strong stuff. Uh, I'm here for you. Uh, that would, If that's all you get out of this seminar... That's all that matters. Uh, Good night from Brad Bradderson, the Boredom Institute. Thanks, everybody.